Coming up on Podcast 1932, Lexus brings some EV trademarks, the affordable Astra and the Mocha EVs, and some specialist EV tyres. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Well, thank you to a Patreon executive producer, Chaz Fisher. Chaz, thank you very much for signing up to be an exec producer of this podcast. So, name in the show notes. You know the score. Uh, Chaz is joining an amazing group of people who put this podcast on the air every single day, whether that's our producers, our exec producers, name in the show notes, or some of the individuals and companies that support us at a higher level level. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information for Sunday, 15th of October. My name is Martin Lee, and I've been through every EV story, so you don't have to. Let me tell you about Lexus recently filing for four trademarks with the EU's IPO, hinting at a possible new EV series, trademarked the LF series. So, You could be walking into a showroom or going online one day and buying your LFZA or your LFZC or your LFZL or your LFZV. Okay, not wildly creative, but that's okay. That's Lexus, what they do. Uh, But uh, it's consistent with the use of the letter Z in the names, implying they're part of the same car family. Lexus using the LF uh, prefix predominantly for its concept vehicles. So could be that these aren't the final names, they're just the names they're reserving for their concepts. Speculation arising as Lexus is known to be crafting an EV supercar at uh, the minute, kind of calling it the all-electric sport concept. The supercar believed to be the spiritual success of the LFA. Design inspirations for the concept drawn from the LFA, notable in features like the big front bonnet, and also a big front air intake as well on that. So we'll wait and see what they do in EV world, where cooling is less of an issue. Enthusiasts anticipate Lexus will showcase the new EV lineup at the approaching Japan Mobility Show, and we'll find out more what their plans are, or whether they're just concepts and drawings and renders, and that would be disappointing, but we'll wait and see. Now, let's talk... Vauxhall slash Opal, but here in the UK, we call them Vauxhall. So Vauxhall is unveiling the new designed versions of their Astra and their Mocha. Uh, Now, both very famous. I mean, the Astra particularly is a very famous nameplate in terms of Vauxhall. Uh, But the electric versions of the Astra and the Mocha, the design version starts at 36610 for the Mocha and 37795 for the Astra. So you're firmly in nice family car territory. 100 kilowatt motor, 50 kilowatt hour battery, and 209 miles of range on the little Mocha. On the Astra, slightly bigger electric motor, actually slightly bigger battery and slightly longer range. So 54 kilowatt hour in the Astra and 258 miles of WLTP range. Both EVs now open for orders in the UK. Initial deliveries January 2024. The little one, the Corsa, the new Corsa electric is already accessible in the design variant. That's the entry level, by the way. Uh, Just like the Mocha, uh, the new Corsa electric design vehicle has a 100 kilowatt motor, 50 kilowatt hour battery, but smaller vehicles, so better range, 222 miles. I think that is probably a sweet spot for some of these vehicles. I'd like to see them in the 20s. I'm sure that uh, they don't want to sell those vehicles any cheaper than they are at the moment. But if you're buying a vehicle that's in the 200 and something mile range... A nice little way of thinking about it is maybe it should start with a number two on the price as well, because you are up against, if you are value shopping when you face it, if you're value shopping, you're definitely going to have a look at the MGs. So you'll have a look at the uh, MG4, you would think, if you're shopping for a, a smaller family car and those prices 
are just really good. In fact, some of the used prices on a year-old MG4 I've been looking recently, and you think, wow. I mean, not great for those selling the vehicles, but for those buying, we've seen a little bit of a correction in EV prices. So I think you need some discounts, some monthly, some great monthly pricing on that, the Astra, the Mocha, the Corsa, um, and some, some discounting as well there because those are Robust prices, but about right. Now, let's talk about Audi altering the Q4 e-tron production in Brussels. This is a little bit of insight into who's buying the Audi Q4 e-tron. Remember, that's Audi's version of the VW ID4, similar to the Skoda ENIAC, but... Uh, They're all quite different vehicles, actually, which is really nice. Audi had planned to have overflow production of the Q4 in Brussels by the middle of this year to alleviate any pressures on their Zwickau plant, but that plant has not reached its full potential. VW recently uh, took away 270 temporary roles they'd created and had some cost reduction in October as well. Consequently, the Brussels overflow production has not started and been rescheduled for the end of the year. Audi has communicated a shift in the plans. Brussels will produce fewer Q4 e-trons than initially projected, uh, and they say it's all because of market demand. So that's really interesting, actually. Great vehicles, but they're not selling as many as they'd planned to. Given the current demand, Zwickau's production capacity suffices, negating the need for overflow production in Brussels. But the decision sparked a two-day strike walkout amongst the plant workers in Brussels. Audi's statement to Automobile Vok said the company has decided to assemble the Audi Q4 e-tron in Brussels in addition to Zwickau in response to increased market demand. This will allow Audi to react more flexibly to peaks in demand, but it is not starting yet. They will look at future demand and work out when to start production there. So that's interesting. I mean, the Brussels plant manufactures other stuff as well, so uh, it's not like it's being idled, but uh, interesting, actually. I like the, the, the Q4, but compared to... Either the old Audi e-tron, a used version of that, similar prices, you know, 30-something thousand, 40-something thousand. It just doesn't feel Audi enough, the Q4. We'll see what they come with when they perhaps revise that vehicle. Just needs, I think just need a little bit more, a little bit more premium. Moving on. And Mercedes-Benz is launching a new addition to their G-Wagon series, termed the Little G. Uh, the classic G-Class is gearing up to welcome an electric variant, the EQG. But the Little G will be... Very similar to it, just in a shrink-wrapped package. The little G was coined by the uh, CEO, Ola Kalenius, during the Munich event this year, IAA. Uh, The branding uses the lowercase g as well when we saw the little logo. So maybe they will call it the little G. I I thought that the little G was just a kind of a funky name. They were giving it a friendly name. But uh, the G-Class will be called the EQG. That'll fit in with their EQ branding. But could they call it the the, the, the little G, well, that would be interesting. It'll be based on the MMA architecture like the Concept CLA class. The framework is really versatile, supporting both traditional combustion and electric ones as well. So what do I think we know about the little G? I think it'll be an 800-volt system. I think it'll have to do over 300 miles or, you know, plus minus 10 miles. It's got to be around that area. It's going to be a premium vehicle. All-wheel drive is standard, obviously. Battery size is going to have to be decent, even though it'll be smaller than the EQG. Uh, The motor design and all of those specs under wraps for now. Industry experts anticipate the vehicle will arrive in 2026 before the arrival of the little G. Got a few more launches to get. They've got the new CLA, the EQA, the EQB will get a refresh and the electric version of the full-size G-Class will come out next year. We think it'll be 2024. 
Now, if you're in the US, look out for some local and state incentives as well, like in Colorado, introducing a rebate of $6,000 for residents trading in an old high-emission combustion vehicle. It stems from the Colorado Energy Office's program, as reported by the Denver Post, where I found this. To be eligible, you've got to earn 80% or less than the median income specific to your residing county. That's about $65,000, for individuals or about 94000 for a family who files. The fuel vehicle has to meet a certain criteria. It should be a minimum of 12 years old and be a runner, but newer vehicles that fail state emission standards are also eligible. Uh, you've got to have a Colorado driver's license and live there and prove income there as well. Unlike the federal tax credit system for EVs, though, Colorado's 6000 thousand dollars is instant the discount reflects directly during the purchase of the vehicle no waiting to get that money back eligible evs encompass bvs and plug-in hybrid electric vehicles that cost less than a manufacturer's suggested retail price of fifty thousand dollars the rebate will be up for grabs until the annual budget is exhausted of 1.8 million dollars and i think that'll go quickly so if you're in the area make the most of that brilliant brilliant scheme. Pirelli have been talking about their EV-specific tyres. A new set of challenges, they say, because of the unique design and weight distribution of electric vehicles. Heavier components, like the battery, located under the car, with increased weight and greater horsepower and torque as well, because EVs are just better and more powerful. And so they're having to design tyres that are specific to EVs increasingly as performance goes up because EV tyres were degrading about 15% faster than those on combustion vehicles, a, a side effect of how powerful EVs are. According to Pirelli's GM of Global Operations, those they introduced recently the P0 e-tyre. So they improved the wear rate by 40% and made them quieter as well because drivers tend to notice other sounds more, especially noises resulting from uh, road noise, wind noise, contact patches on the road as well. So tyre rolling resistance is crucial for EVs as well. Lowering the resistance can help you go further. And so all these things have to be thought about. Uh, You can't just bolt on well you can bolt on a pair of standard tires to an electric vehicle but if you really want to get the best out of your ev have a look at some ev specific tires that have been engineered to address those issues they have things like unique structures different materials and different technologies going in to making these tires they are coming at a price though the development cost for the tyres are about 15% higher, and I think that is reflected in the price that we pay as well as consumers. Now, zero motorcycles are in the news today. They've made significant price cuts for their range of bikes in North America. Price cuts range from $1,000 to $4,500, contingent on the model. Having a look at the models, the new prices for the uh, ZF7, the Point two model receives the $1,000 discount. So the new ZF7 is $12,000. And the Adventure version, the ZF17 uh, model, which is one of their more pricier offerings, gets the $4,500 discount from Zero Motorcycles. $20,000 now, but that's still so much in motorcycle world. Now, don't have my motorcycle license. I would love that, but that's one of the vetoes my wife uses on our marriage. She goes, nope, no thank you. I used to ride bikes when I was growing up. I haven't been on a bike in uh, in a long time, and and uh, yeah, Emma says uh, one of her she's one of her things. She worries so much about motorcyclists and safety. She's like, no, thank you. I'd like you around to bring up our kids. So there you go. Uh, but I'd love to get on an electric uh, motorbike, but um, maybe off road, uh, on road. She says no, thank you. Uh, now your weekend long reads. This is interesting. I hope you don't mind me 
bringing you this because I found it. I found it really interesting. It was a look at Chinese, uh, the China role really in EV batteries. And uh, this is, I found this on Automotive News. It's behind a paywall. So I'll, I'll summarize it because be respectful to their work, of course. Uh, but they talk about how, if you go back to 2018, there was a pivotal moment where CATL agreed uh, with Germany to construct their first large-scale EV battery factory, a landmark event which marked China's move into the heart of Germany's automotive industry. Despite its long-standing reputation for automotive excellence, Germany has been grappling with a critical challenge, lagging behind in battery technology because they were so good at combustion stuff they didn't want to give away their lead. The realisation has dawned upon Germany that to be competitive in the future, they need to have a strong battery technology industry. The rise of lithium-ion batteries can go back to 1970s, a period marked by the oil crises that prompted research into alternative sources. During the era, the first lithium-ion battery, rechargeable lithium-ion battery, emerged. Back then, it needed to be made safer and wasn't widespread. But at the time, uh, technology was moving very quickly. And a big turning point arrived in 1992 when Sony commercialised those batteries. Now, uh, the Amperex Technology Limited Company, ATL, had begun making its mark as a supplier. They found themselves under the wing of TDK, the Japanese corporation known for... I don't know, did you ever tape songs off the radio back in the day on your TDK tape? I did. CATL solidified their presence as the market moved on in 2013, a deal with BMW back in the early days, underscoring the necessity of having those deals for battery electric vehicles. Around 2008, CATL had made substantial contributions already to the battery market, putting batteries in electric buses like the one seen at the Beijing Olympics. In 2011, the Chinese government took a big step by introducing subsidies to bolster the electric car industry, and subsidies mandated that batteries used in EVs must be domestically manufactured. The US did the same thing 12 years later, and uh, in recently with the Inflation Reduction Act. And that policy in China back 12 years ago gave CATL a remarkable opportunity to thrive. In 2019, they took the initiative to establish Germany's inaugural battery factory, like I mentioned in the intro, beating the Germans at their own game. They've since got production facilities not just in China, but Hungary, US, Mexico, all being built. And with a global footprint now, CATL has managed to be the world's number one battery supplier to EV manufacturers, including Tesla, reaffirming CATL's role as a global leader. Now, their entry into the, the German market underscored what was, at the time, an unseen need for Germany to do as well as China at having a battery, lithium-ion battery technology industry, which they simply didn't do. And now Europe is playing catch-up. And the EU has given themselves 18 months, I believe, to have a look at the Chinese pricing and incentives and possibly put tariffs on those vehicles. If they do, the likes of Tesla coming in from Shanghai, I think they've got four months to do that. If they do decide to do it, about four months after the that decision's made. So it's at least two years away, but the EU already having to play major, the rest of the world is playing major catch-up to the Chinese, aren't they? Uh, I'll pop a link in the show notes if you'd like to read the full article about the history of the battery in electric vehicles, particularly around CATL, and I will 
Uh, pop that link in the show notes now. Thanks to our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.